Hi, I'm Deborah Hamilton. Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? Ten years ago, with my iPhone and a script, I recorded the first episode of the Ultimate Pet Resolution Summit, which chatted with experts about conflicts over animals. Our conversations were intimate, honest, and illustrated how disagreements over animals occur and how those disagreements can reshape people's lives and relationships. In November 2019, I started Why Do Pets Matter, a new podcast that continued these informative discussions. I'm so excited to have you here with me, continuing my exploration into a more meaningful conversation about why pets matter to all of us. My guests and I will share ideas, stories, and experiences straight from the heart, unscripted and holistic. From the bravest moments to the most brokenhearted, we will explore how to resolve disagreements over animals differently. One thing I know for sure is I want to have more meaningful conversations that will help all of us unlock that deeply felt human-animal bond that drives the emotions of conflict. Today, my guest is Liz Rubenstein. She is the CEO of Ginger Lead, a harness that pet owners can use whether their dog has arthritis or is recovering from surgery, from hip dysplasia or cruciate injuries. It is the best thing on the market for helping owners keep their pets safe in recovery. Liz is also an attorney and I talked her into going back to the practice of law and to mediate conflicts between people over animals. She is my colleague and my compatriot I'm so glad she's here today. Now let's listen to what Liz says. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton, and I'm so glad you're here again for the next episode of Why Do Pets Matter? Today, I'm talking to my good friend who I met at a veterinary conference in Orlando many years ago, maybe two or three or four. I mean, who knows now because we've lost so much time. Liz Rubenstein. And Liz is the CEO and creator of Ginger Lead, which is a wonderful harness that dogs can use who may have a little orthopedic issue. She's going to tell you more. Um, And she's also, because I brought her to the dark side, she was a lawyer who started this business. And when I spoke to her, I said, you should really come on and do what I do. So now she's also Liz Rubenstein or Rubenstein Law and Mediation. I think um, copying is the sincerest form of flattery. So I'm so glad to to have you here, Liz. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's, you know, when we lawyers with animals get together, it's sort of like um, we're kismet. We're, we're always together. And so I'm so glad. And I love Ginger Lead. And I love that you are mediating conflicts between people over animals in Colorado and beyond. I love it, too. And I appreciate you inspiring me to go down this road. And I enjoy learning from you and doing what we do. I, it brings me great pleasure. I know it's it's amazing. So we always ask our guests the first question and then we go from there. So, Liz, why do pets matter to you? So for me, pets have been very important to me my entire life. As a kid, I had, you know, kids have these pets. I had hamsters. I had birds. I had a racing hermit crab. (laughs) Wow. I've never even heard of those. Yeah, it came out of a vacation trip we had where there was a hermit crab race and my dad bet on the hermit crab race and then he bought me the winner. (laughs) And that was my pet. Um, And I had dogs always from the time I was born through now. And I always looked at life in 
in respect to what dog I was with when significant things happened. So for example, when I moved away from home to go to college, I brought my Great Dane with me. And that was kind of unusual for people. Um, and then by the time I went to law school, I had my Great Dane and a Dalmatian, and they both lived with me all through law school. And I arranged my class schedule so I'd have a nice long break in the middle of the day so I could go home and let them out and spend some time with them. And my life just revolved around dogs. And then I started practicing law and you mentioned ginger lead. So one of those heart dogs came into my life. My husband and I adopted these two littermate puppies. Oh, and my husband, that's another thing. Another thing that tells you how much I care about dogs is, you know, men will sometimes bring flowers on a first date or something like that. My very charming husband brought a dog toy on our first date. Well, and he's was, a smart guy. He wanted to whittle <laughs> his way into your heart quickly. I was hooked. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He's from New York, I heard. So I'm sort of liking him myself. Yep. He's from Long Island. Um, I probably didn't pronounce that correctly, but I'm you sure. You did. Long Island is how uh, some say it. I am from Long Island as well. So there you go. I say it the same way. Um, so anyway, after that, we adopted these littermate golden retrievers. One of them was named Ginger. She was the inspiration for Ginger Lead. And the poor girl, she was one of those heart dogs, just the sweetest dog in the world. But she had trouble from the beginning. We noticed that when she would play with her brother, she was always on the bottom. And at first we thought it was just boy-girl difference and he was stronger. But then we started noticing that she had trouble going up our steps. So that's when the inspiration for Ginger Lead started. We took her to the vet and found out she had severe hip dysplasia. She had reconstructive hip surgery at just six months old. And when we brought her home, they told us, okay, we broke her hip in three places. So like when a person heals and they're on crutches and have to take it easy, you need her to take it easy, not let her run or jump or spin. And when you take her out to go potty, you need to support her like crutches would. And here's an old bath towel. And that would bunch up under her belly and seemed uncomfortable. And we're holding a wad of towel. And she wasn't supposed to run or jump or spin, but she was a six-month-old puppy in yeah. Denver, Colorado with her litter mate in her first snow. And the surgeon had just taken her pain away for the first time in her life. So all she wanted to do was run and jump and spin. And it was a rodeo trying to get that to happen. We made it through and then she needed another surgery a few years later. And that's when Ginger Lead was born because we were determined to find something. Something better than a towel. Yes, something more comfortable and safer for her and easier for us. So we invented Ginger Lead, has a nice cushion that doesn't bunch up under their belly, height adjustable handle to hold and a leash attached, which was key for us because that gives you the control element to keep her from damaging that freshly repaired joint. So my life as a lawyer, I was in the law firm and people would come visit me and buy Ginger Leads and I'd bring this stuffed dog in to show how it worked. And the lawyers I worked with were fantastic. You know, they would stay shipping bubbles for me and they were just wonderful so for a while I was doing both but then as Ginger Lead grew I had to make a choice at one point I didn't have time to do everything so then I went into Ginger Lead and so this dog changed my whole life she changed what I did for work she started yep. being the one I worked with she was my co-worker after that and and after Ginger Lead grew she came to the office with me in the warehouse and um, it was just an amazing time and she changed my life completely and she didn't need the ginger lead then for a long time. Those orthopedic surgeries were wonderful, miraculous for her. Um, when she was older, she had arthritis, so we'd use it on and off when she had arthritis. 
And then we lost her to cancer in 2015, but oh. she lived a very long, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that leads to another thing that we're involved with, with the Morris Animal Foundation. And, and I love dogs and trying to prevent cancer in dogs is something I'm also passionate about. So we lost both Ginger and her litter mate to cancer. Um, we have another dog now who's also a golden retriever and the Morris Animal Foundation has this golden retriever lifetime study where they're trying to find causes for cancer and treatments and trying to make the health of dogs better in general. So they're studying 3000 golden retrievers nationwide for their entire lifetimes to do this. And we have all these um, exams we do. He has a veterinary exam once a year with all kinds of samples, anything you can imagine to a sample, they sample and vials and vials of blood. And we do questionnaires every year with all these details about where does he live? Do we have carpet? Does he sleep on a dog bed? How much does he go outside? How much does he exercise? What do we feed him? Not just the dog food, but what is, what's the contents of the dog food, you know, including brand, but more content information from what it is, what treats do you give them? Do you give them vegetables or fruits? Which ones are they? Are they raw? Are they organic? <laughs> Everything gets studied. So it's a really great study and we're really proud to be part of that. So, wow, that was a really long answer to Petra's No, it wasn't. It was so perfect because, you know, these studies, both AKC Canine Health Foundation and Morris Animal Foundation are taking on a leadership role in trying to find, um, the reasons for whether they're genetic or environmental for things that affect our beloved animals, which in exchange also help us as people. Absolutely. Yeah. And the study has also branched out just recently. They've added two pieces and I know one of them is arthritis, mm -hmm. but they're, which I would like to know everything they're learning about arthritis because boy, is that something that's hit me like a ton of bricks. Oh, <laughs> well, they're just starting that piece, but yeah, hopefully they'll have some. I'll live long enough. Hopefully I'll live long enough to be right. a benefit to me. But it, tell us a little bit more because, you know, just to back up just one minute. So you said that when you, you were in the law before you stopped and were gingerly full time, your dog was your coworker. And, you know, the interesting thing is that now that we're done with COVID, not done, but we're living through COVID, um, all of our animals are our co-workers again. Yes. And don't they make great co-workers? And they do. They do. They make us take breaks. Um, Self-care is so much better. Um, we notice things about our dogs more quickly. So when you give a review of your animal now at the Morris Animal Foundation, it's probably more detailed because you spend more time with them. Well, actually, the dog I have now has been since we got him since he was a puppy, he's been going to work with me every day and spending every day with me. So before I closed down the office and warehouse, and we actually moved everyone to work at home after I met you um, about a year before COVID started. So you had so, a premonition. <laughs> it looks brilliant in retrospect, right? Exactly. I closed down our office and warehouse, hired a company to, to warehouse and ship for us. And then my staff all started working from home. So yeah, he went into the office with me. So he's been with me the whole time. So yeah. for him, it really wasn't a change. But you know what? Having him there with me and we had some staff dogs there from time to time as well. The, the change in morale and the benefit to our human mental health from that was something I don't think I could have created as the person running the company without the help of the dogs. It's 
fantastic. Interesting. You and I both were a little bit ahead of the curve because, of course, my practice used Zoom as a way to mediate conflicts between people over animals because people live in different states, you know, different countries um, who have conflicts over animals because they buy the dogs from different people. Uh, So I have been using Zoom along with my colleague, Susan Guthrie, who has probably the uh, quintessential training for using Zoom for mediation uh, trainings. You know, we, we were a little ahead of the curve. So when this hit, it wasn't as devastating to our, um, our comfort zone because we'd already been there. We, we'd already been at home. We'd already been using Zoom or whatever. Uh, but now as we emerge from uh, COVID, it, it's a little interesting how we're going to take the next steps. How do you see Ginger Lead? And if you feel comfortable talking about your, your law practice now that you've gotten back into it, how do you see that moving forward post COVID? Because I know that animals became really important um, during COVID, which you just mentioned, you know, having the animals with you at work or at home, if you were working from home, was really important during COVID. And how is that going to work going forward? Yeah, so for I'll start with Gingerlead. For Gingerlead, I don't see any changes to the structure that we had put in place before COVID. My staff is doing well working at home. We all have our dogs. The one thing I would say we could change is since when we can get together again, we could have a staff meeting at the dog park. Yeah. <laughs> all of us get together and let the dogs play. So that's another benefit because it, it is nice to get together. Um, and for mediation, unlike you, I wasn't doing them via Zoom. I was doing them live before COVID. So I was one of the ones that had to learn Zoom for mediation. I've done a bunch of them now, but I had to learn them when the necessity arose. But I find that an awful lot of people that would have previously automatically done it in person now want to do it via Zoom, no matter whether they need to or not. And I think we can offer it, like you said, to more people across a bigger geographic area at lower cost. And I miss some things from being in person, you know, uh, the, the feel in the room, um, that is something that, that is lacking a little bit on Zoom. On the other hand, on Zoom, I find that I've had mediations where key documents were available. You didn't have to adjourn and get back together another time because people are where their stuff is. And if something is missing that's needed, you can find it. Yeah, there are lots of advantages to it, too. So I, I don't think one is necessarily better than the other one, just whatever the situation That's calls different. It. Yeah, because yeah. I find that, you know, mediations that I did in person were great. And then when I started in 2015 doing them on Zoom, I always felt and I'm sure you did at the beginning that just when somebody got pissed off, they'd hang up. <laughs> I have not had that happen yet. I've never had it happen either, but because it was before everybody had to use Zoom, right? So I guess maybe there's a little bit of a need to stay on if that's the only way you can do it. But when I started, it was just another way to do it. And I just thought these people are just going to hang up when they get pissed off. But they didn't because most people want to be the person who is amenable to having a conversation in mediation. So they, they don't hang up. It really is amazing. So tell me a little bit more about what Ginger Lead is doing now, because I know there are so many things that you have in the hopper um, that are going to uh, get Ginger Lead out there in a bigger way 
it just is such an important piece of equipment because as people, why do pets matter? You really want to help your animals who might have, God forbid, gotten hit by a car. So that's surgery. You know, you're doing agility or rally. And of course, that pesky cruciate issue comes. I always laugh when my vet, you know, says, well, the cruciate surgery is, is really pretty easy and everything's great. Yeah, it is. The cruciate surgery is so easy. But like you said, with the hip surgery, it's the recovery and nobody really is clear about the recovery. So tell us a little bit about um, what you experienced in the recovery from the two hip surgeries Ginger had, but also how the Ginger Lead helps people keep their dogs um, in a place where they can recover fully. Sure. So Ginger had hip and then knee surgery and with her recoveries, yeah, you were right. The fir- Especially the first surgeon I found out has a reputation for um, some surgeons like to do surgery more than they like to interact with clients. <laughs> and That's my life guy, with veterinarians. Are you kidding me? Addressing a problem is just, no, avoid, 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 avoid. <laughs> yeah. So we were completely unprepared the first time. I mean, she was so young and this was so un- unexpected. And when we picked her up and found out what all the restrictions were and things, we were kind of floored because honestly we thought going into it that the bad part for us was going to be paying for the surgery we didn't realize all that was going to be involved afterwards so yeah so she was initially completely restricted they told us to put her back in her crate she had just been potty trained so we'd just taken the crates down Um, and so she was back in her crate she was going to stay there oh and there was a terrible story during that time too we took her brother to the dog park to get some exercise and he picked up Giardia and brought it back and gave it to her so while she's recovering from hip surgery in the middle of the night (laughs) my husband hears these noises and we're giving a dog that's had hip surgery a bath in the middle of the night oh it was just awful yeah but anyway that's not a normal part of the recovery process but the recovery process every surgeon has their set of protocols right yeah and I always tell people to follow what that is but the gingerly just makes it easier more comfortable and safer for the dog so it's a nice padded cushion under their belly because at first they're only supposed to move around to get up and eat and go in and out and go to the bathroom And so, and when they do that, you know, imagine if somebody broke your hip in three places and put it back together, if you get up to move around at all, you're using crutches so that you're not putting weight on that. Well, the dog doesn't really understand that. And like I said, Ginger's pain was gone for the first time in her life after her surgery. So she wanted to run on that leg really quickly. So the Ginger lead slings under their belly and you hold a handle above their back so that you can support their weight as much or as little as you need to. So during surgery recovery, at first you're supporting their weight more And as they progress through the stages of recovery, they get to a point where they get to go on little walks and then slightly longer walks and they work back up and you wanna build that muscle back up gradually. um, So you can support more at the beginning and then less later on. Conversely, if it's an older dog that has arthritis or something like that, you wanna keep their legs as strong as you can, as long as you can. So you might have it just under their belly loose. You're just holding the handle in case they stumble, you don't want them to fall down and hurt themselves or in case you go out on a walk and they get tired at the end point of the walk and they need some help getting back, however much they need help. Um, It can be tailored to all kinds of different situations that way. So yeah, it has helped and we've had customers, I had one customer that had cruciate surgery. That's one of the most popular surgeries that we're recommended for. And we sell to veterinarians, pet owners, pet stores. So you can find Ginger Lead in all sorts of places. And And online. 
and online at gingerlead.com. And um, I remember early on when we were developing our whole size line, we had a woman that had a small size and she helped us test our small prototypes. And she had a sporting dog and this dog loved to chase squirrels, just was obsessed with chasing squirrels. And she had had two surgeries fail because during recovery, she would try to take the dog out and the dog would see a squirrel and just spin and dart off and damage that freshly repaired joint. And she was just at her wit's end. So then when she was able to get a ginger lead and we actually, I think still have a picture of her dog on our website, she was able to support and control the dog. So when you'd see that squirrel, he couldn't just start off. She had control and she could keep him by her side walking safely. And we had the same issue with Ginger. With Ginger, it wasn't squirrels, but her entire life, she liked to run down the stairs and there's no way in and out of our house without stairs. So when we were trying to use the bath towel, we try to go down the stairs with her, try to hold a leash in one hand, the towel in the other, try to open- And stay the alive. Yeah, we thought we were all going to end up in a heap at the bottom of the stairs. And it was honestly a frightening experience. So with the ginger lead, you can have, I mean, you could have a person that's older holding a handrail on one side of the stairs, holding the ginger lead with one hand on the other, keeping the dog walking slowly, safely by your side, following the veterinarian's orders and everybody stays safe and recovers. And yeah, and that lady finally did, she had to have the surgery redone on that same leg and she, the dog healed. And then of course the dog blew out the CCL on the other leg, <laughs> but after that, he was good to go. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I had a neighbor who came over to me, they had golden retrievers and they had done cruciates on, you know, all four of them. Cause they had two, two golden. So both knees. So four. Yeah. And he came over to me and he said, you know, how many uh, cruciate surgeries have you had with your Irish setters? And I said, well, none because they're built differently. The bendistifel on an Irish setter is more um, aerodynamically or, or um, it's just a better fit so that it's not, it doesn't slide as easily. Uh, so it really makes a big difference. Uh, golden retrievers, unfortunately, and some other breeds like Brittany's, uh, they don't have that, that bend that gives you that fit that when they're jumping on their back legs on um, smooth and, and, and slippery floors that they don't throw themselves off. I mean, and, and little dogs, holy Toledo, because when you were talking, I, I heard you say, you know, we have them for all size, but it is hard to keep a little dog um, quiet. It's, it's sometimes much easier to keep the golden retriever quiet, except when it's a six month old or eight month old puppy. Uh, but it's much easier to keep a bigger dog in place than a little dog. Right. And we have a size for those little tiny ones and the chihuahuas get lots and lots of luxating patellas, knee problems. And weirdly, that's what Ginger had instead of the CCL. She had a luxating patella, which is strange on a golden retriever. Um, but the little it's ones- Very we common have the, on dachshunds. I had one with that. So, yep. <laughs> on dachshunds get IBDD like crazy. So our mini size, we sell for a lot of dachshunds and chihuahuas. Um, and it's designed a little differently to be a little more petite. And it actually- belts around and closes over their back so those little ones that are low to the ground can't wiggle out of it since they're so close to the ground and so wiggly <laughs> yeah yeah it's not like they don't excel in escapism yeah 
And that has been a super popular size. I've never had a dog that small. So you know, we started out with the big dog sizes, but people kept asking us, we need a smaller one. So we made a, sm a size small. And that 33 pound dog that I was telling you about that chased the squirrels, he yeah. fit nicely into that. But the dachshunds and the chihuahuas, we have a picture of a four pound chihuahua modeling the mini size on our website. So it'll fit dogs teeny tiny and help them recover as well. So, so Liz, pets really do matter to you on so many levels because you now have your golden retriever and what's his name? Jake. So Jake is here. How old is Jake? Jake is almost eight. God bless. You know, golden retrievers are wonderful. I mean, people say, oh, well, golden retrievers have so much cancer. And I know that we had shared that um, both your first golden retrievers did pass away from um, cancer and, and now you're part of the study, but it might be because there are so many of them because Irish setters also have a high degree of bone cancer um, and hermangial sarcoma. Uh, so it's just that there are lower numbers. So there we're part of studies as well because we really wanna figure out if we can um, do pre-diagnosis. But it seems to me that pets matter to you on so many levels, both on your personal level, your professional level as an attorney, your professional level as a supplier of a, an implement that helps people live better lives with their pets. Yeah, and that study is just incredible. I think it's one of the biggest studies in the country. And I think they did choose golden retrievers for that reason, because there are so many of them, because they have 3,000 of them nationwide in the study. And I'll tell you, it is heartbreaking to watch the Facebook group and the pe people that, you know, so many of our dogs get cancer just yeah. way too early, but we're there for each other. And we know we're there also doing everything. God's work. We can. Yeah, yeah, everything we can to figure out if there's a way to uh, pre-screen, to maybe pre-treat, uh, have a vaccine that might come out that would, uh, I know that there is some talk that the COVID vaccine has possibly advanced cancer research because of the proteins, and that's how they're going to help us with um, the vaccine against cancer of some sort. Who knows? I mean, I'm a big uh, proponent of uh, canine research because they do get cancer and the cancer is similar to human cancer. And so whatever we find out that'll help our dogs who are our beloved companions, uh, ironically, and as, you know, man's best friend, um, help us as well. Yeah. And it's wonderful that we can do that sort of thing. And helping people through conflict is so amazingly rewarding. And pet conflict, I know, you know, you and I talked about this and we bonded over it in the beginning that the courts really aren't well equipped to deal with conflicts about pets. They have rather blunt tools and pets are treated as personal property in the courts and and you can go to court over dollar amounts regarding a dispute about a pet, but that's usually not what the dispute is really about. So, and what you told me in the beginning, I was so inspired by that. And I had shared with you back then that there was a case I watched go through court and my heart just broke and it just stuck with me because these people all loved this dog and they went all the way through trial and somebody quote unquote won, but they didn't. Um, like with you, the social media, came out and things were bad for everybody in the end. They spent a whole bunch of time, a whole bunch of money, and everybody was even more upset after it was over. And that just stuck with me and I knew there must be a better way. And now with mediation, I've actually experienced watching people with disputes over pets that might have hated each other and torn neighborhoods or families apart 
and they come to the table and have a conversation and they share with each other and they listen to each other and doing that instead of polarizing in court and taking a side and hoping to convince the judge to rule in your favor and giving up control of what the outcome will be with limited choices, you know, they can be so much more creative in mediation and find solutions that really work for what is really important to all the people involved and most importantly, keeping the animal and their best interest in the forefront. It is so interesting to me that you said that because um, when I started this, I, I was interviewed and one of the quotes I used when asked by a reporter, you know, why I do this. And I said, because unfortunately your pet doesn't hate your ex. So when a family has a pet, there is nobody in the family that the pet hates. I always get a little crazy when Judge Judy has the dog come in the courtroom and that whoever the dog runs to is who she gives the dog to. And you and I both know um, that we feed the dogs probably and we, you know, walk the dogs and we bring them to the vet. But our husbands do other things with the dogs that the dogs like just as much. And when we're not home, those dogs are with our husbands. So what makes it okay uh, to just award it to us without the opportunity? And if you do go to court, you know, by the end of, of the court, like you said, the bridges are burned. I've won, but have I really won? No, I haven't really won. I remember when one case here in New York was decided and I posted, you know, I understand that the court, it's property. You know, King Solomon, let's cut it in half. Uh, that never works well for the dog. So, you know, they give it to one or the other. Uh, and unfortunately, it usually is the non-moneyed spouse who is home with the dog all the time because they can establish that the dog likes them better. And so what's in the best interest of the dog is to be with the one who the dog likes better. And I get it. However, if you cut that off, you cut off the ability to take care of the pet in extraordinary circumstances. So I'm never gonna call Liz again because we went through this horrible um, court battle over our dog and even though she would have money to help me if the dog gets sick, I'm not, I'm not gonna to talk to her. And I always say, you wanna be able to have that ability to allow the dog to keep their lives. All they know is a life with both of you. That's all they know. And all of a sudden one person's gone. And you can say all the things that people say in our offices, which is all oh, the mental torment or the, I need to do this for myself or whatever. Yes, I get it, I do. And I support that. 100%. However, the dog really doesn't dislike the person who you dislike so much and now has all these issues that you are enumerating. Um, the dog doesn't see that. Uh, or the cat, or the bird, or the horse. You know, they don't right. see that. And so if you go on vacation, or if you can see your way clear to, you know, um, be able to share the dog in some way, the dog will benefit from, benefit from it, the person will benefit from it, um, and you'll benefit from it because it won't be so devastating. I know that you've probably seen these cases where people win and people lose, and then the people who win don't feel so good. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was that case I was telling you about that just stuck with me. And then you also see cases where the dogs get into a fight and dogs being dogs, afterwards you know they need to be taken they make care up of bad happened they may yeah they shake it off they do that funny dog shake that we all love to watch dogs do and, and they're okay but the people now are in this terrible emotional battle and in mediation i have seen that resolved and people reconcile and things that could have been a, a terrible situation for decades 
dissipate because people get to actually talk to and understand each other. Because I find that at the root of a lot of that is misunderstanding. Yeah, misunderstanding. Perspective and perception. When Liz said that, this is what I heard. And Liz probably given the opportunity, if I said, well, when you said this, this is how I felt. Oh, my God. That's not what I meant at all. My husband tells me that all the time. And maybe your husband does too. When um, I get mad at him and I say, why did you do that? This is how I felt. He goes, that wasn't what I meant at all. And now I've gotten better in old age um, saying, this is the story I'm telling myself uh, about what you just said and how it landed with me. Am I correct? And nine times out of 10, he goes, no, not at all. And that stops the argument, nips the conflict in the bud before it bites <laughs> you in the butt. Um, so it really is something that we all need to work on, especially where pets are concerned. So Liz, I'm so glad you've been here with us. I hope you've enjoyed this. I'd love to have you back again because there's so much more um, that we need to talk about when people are you know, in need of assistance for their animals. Um, I'd love to have you on the uh, MAP community call because most of those people need to know that there's something out there that can help. And of course, having a comrade in arms for mediation of conflicts first, because as you and I both know, if you mediate first, you can still litigate. And I think that's the strongest reason why I got into this. I'm not taking something away from you. I'm giving you an extra tool in your toolbox. Absolutely. And it's a tool that works differently. And for some people better. I'm, I'm a lawyer, I'm still in the legal world and sometimes litigation is needed, but I find with the pet disputes for the most part, mediation is a tool that is more adaptable and works better for people. And I appreciate the opportunity to be on. I would love to be back. Great, thanks so much. This is Deborah Hamilton, Hamilton Law and Mediation, the Why Do Pets Matter podcast. And of course, the MAP community every Wednesday night, join us until later. Take care. The Why Do Pets Matter podcast drops every Thursday and can be found on whichever platform you find your podcasts. Subscribe now, invite your friends, and I cannot wait to have you join me in these conversations.